0: welcome to another episode of the introvertpreneur podcast i am so excited for today's guests we have abby and courtney who are the co-founders and business besties behind duo collective which is a boutique organic marketing agency specializing in social media strategy branding seo and coaching for small business owners and creative entrepreneurs They are obsessed with finding ways to help you grow organically, which I'm all about, without needing to spend a dime on paid ads. So welcome to you both. I'm so excited to have you here.
1: We're excited to be here.
0: Thank you. So I would love for you to start and tell us a little bit about your story, how you got started in business. I don't know how your stories interlap or came together, but whoever wants to go first, I'd love to hear.
1: Yeah, so I feel like we were both on our own path before we intersected, but my journey, this is Abby, my journey began in SEO. Basically, I was working full-time at a marketing agency and really wanted to find this alternate side hustle or opportunity. I mean, we're, I feel like as entrepreneurs, we're always exploring like different passions and different avenues that we can look into. So I connected with a travel blogger and started doing some travel blogging and learning SEO by writing content. I was working full-time at the agency where Courtney also worked. So we worked at that agency for a while and we kind of crossed paths a lot before we worked on the same team at company events and different things like that. And it wasn't until I would say that we connected on the same client team that we really were like, wow, we work really well together. (laughs) And and we like each other outside of work. We're friends. (laughs) Right. And Courtney was kind of doing her own thing on the side too, doing design and doing... A lot of different, like freelance design work for local clients and just clients all over. So, when we started working on our own, on like our own client at the client agency, that's when we really got to know like our partnership. We worked really well together. I was on the account side, Courtney was on the design side, and that's still how we work together in our business today. So, it was such a natural progression when we finally had that moment where we were like, why don't we do this for passionate entrepreneurs and people who want to run their own businesses? And why don't we help them grow by doing the same things we're doing now at our agency? And that's kind of what opened the door. I think at the same time, we started having that conversation that a uh, client landed in our lap who wanted more than just what Courtney had to offer and more than just what I had to offer. And it was this perfect combination to test it out and see how it worked. And then A lot of late nights and tacos and things later became duo collective.
2: (laughs) It's really funny too, because we would always walk through the Skyway downtown where we worked together at the agency. We were kind of both feeling that burnout. And so we were both trying to figure out how do we get out of here without just jumping to another agency? I was trying to think of the next big thing like TikTok or Snapchat. I was thinking like way out of reach that we probably couldn't have even touched. And Abby looked at me and she's like, why don't we just do what we're doing now, but for smaller entrepreneurs? And I was like, oh my gosh, that's genius. That's kind of like Abby said is where it was born. And just the idea of taking what we were already experts in and applying it to our own business was kind of mind blowing. And we just ran with it and it ended up working.
0: That's amazing. I always love stories when I see co-founders and like they've join forces to really launch a business. I think that is so fun because you always have a partner. And I think that's such a huge thing when you're starting or building up a business is to having that other person. And I love that you both like have your different specialties and you knew right off the bat that you worked well together. So going into it, there was a little less of that. Oh, is this really going to work out?
2: Right. Yeah. I think that was a big thing going into it. We knew we were like, well, we already work really well together. And we know that we like each other outside of work. Like we hang out as friends. We know each other's communication skills. So I think just having that background of working together for three years on the same client, at least.
1: Yeah. I mean, we talk a lot now. Like we say that we're married in a sense, but I feel like even back in the agency days, like we were still talking that same extent. And so it's like it was such an easy way to realize like we're working in the same capacity. We just obviously now, as an entrepreneur, you have so many other things you're responsible for, but we already knew how to divide and conquer and how to leverage our own strengths to make that happen that it was pretty easy to just apply that to our own business. I
0: love that. Was there any? hesitations to go into doing it for yourself?
2: I would say absolutely. There's always a hesitation to start your own thing and leave the corporate world and the benefits that come along with that, the base salary that you're guaranteed. So there's always those scary things like how hard are we going to have to hustle to make sure that we're being able to pay our bills? How long is it going to take for us to become well-known? How are we going to continue to gain clients? I think. There's always that hesitation and that little bit of scaredness to jump in and do your own thing. Again, I think it comes back to like when you have a partner, some days I would be scared and I would tell Abby, oh gosh, like, what do we have to do? Are we going to be able to do this? And then some days she would have that. And, you know, we could kind of weigh each other out and calm each other down when each other gets to those points. But I think the benefits outweighed those terrifying moments because we knew that we would be able to dictate who we wanted to work with. And we weren't having to work with these large clients with these million dollar budgets and really having no voice, I would say. I think that's something we struggled with is that we only got so far with those corporate clients. Whereas with these smaller clients, we have more of that passion and that close communication. And we're almost like friends with our clients now. Whereas in the corporate world, it was a little harder to kind of break that barrier.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I'd say, I don't think you'll find a business owner out there who didn't have some of those self-doubts and hesitations. Even though there was that, I will say, I'm pretty sure, I mean, Courtney, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure there was zero hesitation on us partnering together. Like there was no point in my mind where I was like, I could do this with someone else. Like, Courtney 100% compliments all of my weaknesses. Like, you do not want me to design you a logo or do anything in the creative space. And I don't think anyone wants Courtney to do any keyword research for her. Like, it was such an easy choice when we had that idea that, like, there was no hesitation in the partnership aspect.
2: No, not at all. I think we both wanted to be entrepreneurs and have our own thing in the areas that we excelled at. And that was more of the hesitation. Like, can I do this on my own? Cause I definitely tried to step out and do freelance on my own for the longest time. And I would just never make enough money or I would get so tired trying to do it all by myself. So when Abby came along and she's like, Hey, let's do this together. I was like, Oh my gosh, absolutely. Because I cannot do this by myself. I need somebody else to help me. So you're right, Abby, no hesitation whatsoever to work with you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love having like a partner or somebody in your corner. Like even if, Somebody doesn't have that, like hiring a coach or being a part of a membership where there's a great community, like some kind of person that you can bounce ideas off of and feel like you're supported and not doing this all alone because it can be so hard and overwhelming if you're really going at it by yourself
1: a hundred percent. And I'd say when we had that initial journey of like stepping off and actually leaving our full-time jobs to do this full-time, we actually did hire a coach, too. Like even partners need coaches. You always need someone else to help you in the areas that you don't know what you're doing because that's kind of where the magic can happen. Like you never, invest in a coach who can do the same thing as you. You are always investing in someone who can like help you excel or move past your struggles and things like that. So even for us, that was a huge point that helped us at the very beginning days when we were like, okay, we did this, we have this business and how do we keep doing it and growing and making sure that we don't have to go back to
0: the nine to five and we can keep doing this for good. So I would love to dive into organic marketing, because this is something I love. And I think organic is so huge and powerful, especially for introverts who don't want to have to hustle for their next client continuously and constantly put themselves out there. I think bringing in organic traffic and warm leads is such a powerful thing. So I'd love to hear why you think people should maybe go the organic route instead of paying for ads? Because I've seen a lot of people go like, oh, I need to invest or spend money on ads to make money. And they just totally ignore the organic side of things.
2: Yeah, that's a great question.
0: So when
2: we first started our business, we were solely doing organic marketing for ourselves. We just have passion for growing your business organically and knowing that you can market yourself without having to put any money into it right away. And we think that there's just kind of this idea out there that marketing is all about paying for ads or in order to market your business or to convert or to get sales that you have to pay for those. That's just not true. So what we do is we just focus solely on that organic marketing side. And we do realize that paid advertising has its time and place, but what we like to do is work with those newer entrepreneurs that are kind of just getting started or entrepreneurs that are in their business for like two to five years and are still looking to grow, but don't necessarily have the money to pay for paid advertising or just don't have that foundation built yet to focus on paid advertising. We really like to focus on making sure that their strategy is built and that they have that strong foundation for their business before going into paying for advertising.
1: Yeah, I'd say marketing is such a jargon-filled word nowadays, too, that they say to us all the time, like, I'm not ready for marketing yet. I'm not quite there. I need to wait a couple more years. And people don't understand that you likely are marketing your business every day. If you go to a networking event, you're marketing your business. If you go post a post on social media, that's marketing. If you write a blog post, that's marketing. Like I think the idea of what marketing is is so confusing to people. But really, anytime you are sharing your expertise with the public and you're talking about your business or just sharing what you do with someone, or just basically making your business more known to someone else that's marketing it doesn't have to be so complex and complicated you don't need to do this whole ads manager route to like find your audience and all of these different details and set a budget and boost a post you don't need to do that you can do a lot of different things when it comes to marketing your business and those things don't have to cost money.
2: I also think too that if you don't have that strong foundation before you start paying for ads, you don't really have a goal for what you're paying for. You're kind of just throwing it out there and hoping that it sticks and that you get a sale or convert off of that. But if you don't have that foundation or the strategy going into paying for those ads, they're most likely not going to work for you anyways. So we want to make sure that before people get to that point that they really have the ideas and the content and the strategy behind why they're paying for ads. So that's where we really like to focus on that front half of that organic growth and getting you there to that point before you kind of just start throwing money away on ads.
0: I've seen so many people say like, oh, I've spent so much on ads and I'm not getting any return on my investment. It's because they haven't spent the time doing that foundational level stuff. They don't know their target audience. They don't have a solid offer yet. And they're just like throwing money at ads, just hoping that it's like a magic bullet. And especially now, like ad costs have gone up. So you're going to be spending even more money.
1: Yeah. It's so sad too, that that is the perspective of marketing. I think anytime we can get people to change their idea on what marketing is, we're like, Yes, it's not complicated. It doesn't have to be complicated. You can do your own marketing until you get to a point where you feel confident that ads are going to drive you business. But up until that point... And I love the stat from like an SEO perspective. So it's like 70% of people scroll right past the paid ads and go to the organic content because people know they're being sold to. And in certain instances, they work and they speak to you when they're targeted perfectly. Like when you know on Instagram, you're like shopping and all of a sudden you see like the item that you know you've been looking for. They know their person. They're likely already creating content. Their ads are working, but there's other instances where it's like the ads aren't going to work if you don't have that consistency and that brand trust and all of that stuff actually built with your brand. Because when they find you, they're not going to know you or understand you without that organic strategy in place
0: first. That's really interesting because I'm in that 70%, especially with Google. When I search anything, I scroll right past the Google ads. And then on Facebook, for sure, I usually just Unless it really catches my attention, like you said, it's really targeted to me, then I'll look at an ad, but usually I just scroll on by and even like Instagram stories, when you're scrolling through stories of people you follow and then you get an ad, I'll just keep swiping. Yep.
1: My other favorite thing is when people say blogging is dead. I'm like, "Mm, it's not. Maybe the old way of blogging about what you ate for breakfast is dead, but actually blogging content that people are searching for is very, very much real.
0: (laughs) Blogging is my main marketing method. I absolutely love, love blogging. There's so many benefits to it too, like not just even for SEO purposes and getting organic traffic, but The content that you create for a blog, the shelf life of it compared to a social media post, the ability to repurpose it into other pieces of content. So many people need to be blogging. 100%.
1: Yeah. Blogging is magic. It is going to do so much good for your business if you can do it and be consistent and just use that as part of your strategy for sure.
0: Yeah. I know a lot of people when they hear blogging... They start to panic and think, oh, but I'm not a writer. Do you have any thoughts around people who think that? Like, oh, I can't write quality content. I'm a horrible writer. I have horrible grammar. Well, I would say you're going to suck at
1: first, just like we all do. Like we all suck when we first start something (laughs) that just happens and it takes practice to get better at it. But if you just keep telling yourself you're not a good writer and you're never going to do it, then you're right. You're never going to do it and you're never going to improve. But I'd say just getting started, it's going to get easier and easier. And I'd also... Say if you are like fearful because you are a horrible writer, start digesting other people's content and just start taking notice of what they're doing and how they're breaking it up. And that can really help you in your writing. I'm not a copywriter by any means, but it just takes practice. It takes practice just to write post after post and you become more familiar. I also think a tip from our copywriter friend, She had told us, imagine the person you're writing for in your head. So rather than trying to write to this random audience of everyone on Google, instead, imagine your client, pick a person, like a real person with a name, and write for them. Start writing your blog content as if you're speaking to them and teaching them about the topic at hand. And it will be so much easier than trying to write for the whole world.
2: And I think a lot of people overcomplicate it too. I feel like they think that they need to be super strong in literature or know how to say things specific ways or talk above what they normally would. But I think the big thing is just like staying true to your brand voice and being authentic because the people that you want to drive in, obviously you want them to connect with your personal brand. And those are the people that you're writing for, just like Abby said. So don't be afraid to let your true self shine and don't try to be fake and don't try to, you know, stuff it with all these words or jargon that you wouldn't normally like. If you don't speak that way, don't type that way. So I think a lot of people just get overwhelmed and kind of overcomplicate it right from the get go. And then they just tend to walk away from blogging or they try it and they're like, nope, I can't do this. I'm not great at it.
0: Speaking of overcomplicating things, I always feel like a lot of people overcomplicate SEO. And that's why they get overwhelmed with it. And just hearing the word SEO, they're like, oh, gosh, no, that's too confusing, too complicated. So what are some of your tips or thoughts around anyone who's maybe struggling with SEO or learning SEO or understanding it?
1: Yeah, everyone is confused and worrisome about it. And I think that's our main goal when it comes to SEO is like, let's remove the jargon and let's just talk about it like normal humans because the technical stuff and the algorithm of anything, like the algorithms of Instagram is complicated. The algorithms of Facebook, of you know, the algorithms behind Google are gonna be just as complicated, but that doesn't mean how we do business with it has to be. So I always like to say... Imagine what your audience is typing into Google. Just imagine what they're searching for. And that is what you should be writing about. Those are the words that should be living on your website. A lot of times you see all these websites that are like really pretty with quotes and like really airy, fluffy language, which is fun. But if you are a copywriter and you don't have copywriter anywhere on your website or talking about it, like Google isn't going to know to tie you with that person. So even if you don't feel like you want to do anything when it comes to like keyword research and finding the keywords and you're not ready for that, just take a step back, understand your audience, imagine what they're typing into Google, what problems do they have? What solutions are they looking for? Who are they trying to work with? Things like that. And then just start creating content around it because you naturally will probably start seeing some growth from an SEO perspective just by thinking that way, which in a way, that's how we should think anyways, just about running our business, right? And a lot of times we forget that the algorithm is made for people you shouldn't be blogging for Google. You should be blogging for your people. And then naturally the magic kind of happens and lives within there. As long as you're writing for the content that people are
0: actually looking for. A lot of people miss the market research part of content and organic traffic and keywords and all of that. They more so create content for themselves instead of thinking of their ideal audience. And I love what, you shared earlier about writing to one specific person. When I was creating my signature course, I sent out a big survey to my entire email list. I got like over a hundred responses and there was so much good information in there. I looked at each survey response and I started looking at all of their answers as a response by response, not as like a whole And I was like, what could I write or create to help this one specific person? And I just went through every single one and did that.
1: (laughs) I love that. Yeah. We just talked about audiences as well on our podcast and like audience surveys specifically and how incredibly valuable they can be because yeah, you can just like uniquely pull out one person and unless they're so differentiated from the universe of your audience, it's way easier to ideate. Against one person than it is for an entire group of people. So I love that. That is a good tip. And we are going to steal that when we do our next audience survey.
0: (laughs) Yeah. One other thing I'll share I did too. So I've done it a couple of times now where I offered a free three month coaching scholarship. So I was choosing three people and everyone that filled out the form to apply for that, those scholarship spots, they provided so much insights and information into their business. So I did the same thing after I selected the three people. I went through every application form and just looked at their responses and asked myself, what can I create to help them in terms of content, in terms of a product? How can I help this person? (laughs) And What can I do uh, or what can I create? So that was really, really powerful too and really helpful.
1: Yeah, we save a folder in Google Drive of all the surveys we've ever sent out. It's like our little gold mine of where to go when we need to understand what is happening in our audience's brains. <laughs> and I'd say for us, we always ask open-ended questions because then you get actual content in people's words because you can always do multiple choice and people will just check boxes without thinking too hard. But actually, especially in the marketing space, getting people's own words of what their struggles are and who they're attracting and what they're trying to do for their business, that can be so powerful to make sure that you're also reaching your audience using their words. I think that's the most unique thing
2: out of it is just hearing their words and like how they're talking about it. And then you take a look at like how you were talking about it previously and you're like, oh, maybe we should shift how we're actually communicating this because they might not be totally understanding what we're talking about, but we're not using it in their words. So I think that's like one of the most powerful things about those surveys is how they're communicating that
1: information. Yeah. It's such a powerful thing.
0: I can't remember if I've shared it on the podcast or just on a private call or training, but one of the questions I asked on that big survey for my signature program was about blogging. I asked, are you blogging right now for your business? And then, if they said no, I had a follow up question of how come? Like, why aren't you blogging? What is the biggest thing holding you back? I realized that I think 90% of people that filled it out said they were not blogging. And about 85% of those people said that it was because they didn't have time. So, <laughs> my thought process around that was because I was thinking of creating a blogging course for service providers. And that actually made me rethink that idea. I started to think, okay, if they're struggling with time, what else could I create for them? That's not going to involve them having to take the time to go through a course. So that's where I came up with my content kits, where I have created blog posts and PLR content that they can use to attract their ideal audience and get people into their world. So they have sold so well. like They definitely my best digital product. And I never would have come up with that if it wasn't for that survey and seeing those responses.
1: Absolutely. I think that's so important too, as a service-based business owner, like Court and I get ideas all the time where we're like, Oh, we should do this. We should do this. We should do this. And we like run through all of these things that we want to do, but unless you actually listen to your audience. And I think we can also get in our heads of like, this is the perfect offering. I don't even care if anyone says they don't want it. They don't know yet. They don't know, but they need it. Like, You can get into this point where you (laughs) just want to die on the hill because this is the best offer. But if you're not listening to your audience, then it's going to be crickets when you actually Mm -hmm. launch it. So I think there's such a point of making sure that every time before you launch something new, or even as product business owners, anytime you launch a new product, like if you're not listening to your audience and doing that gut check, it's probably not going to perform
0: up to your expectations. I'd love to shift to Instagram because I know social media is probably the biggest marketing method that I feel like most people are using, even though I'm trying to broaden their horizons. to like email and Pinterest and blogging, but let's talk about Instagram because I know a lot of introverts struggle with Instagram in particular. So what are your thoughts around Instagram as like a marketing platform or any best tips? So it's definitely
2: my favorite platform to market on. And I think because it's such a visual platform, I think a lot of people, that's why a lot of people go to it. I know that that's kind of changing a little bit. It's evolving always, but it used to kind of be this platform where you went and you saw all these beautiful things mixed with this beautiful content. And it's still that, but I think it's kind of shifting into, which is probably even harder for introverts to Mm -hmm. showing up on video and showing your face more and talking to your audience more. And I can see where that would be hard for people to kind of wrap their heads around and want to do, but... I personally, and I think I'm speaking for Abby too, think that Instagram is great for obviously like putting out your content and sharing that with your clients or soon-to-be clients or just audience. But I think one of the bigger things is that connection piece that I think a lot of people fail to remember is that... Instagram, it's this community, right? You're supposed to be connecting with people, obviously sharing your content and your services and your products, but also making sure that you're showing up authentically and that you're making these connections with those people just like that authentically or talking through your personal brand, essentially. So you know, you're not always selling on Instagram. You're trying to make these authentic connections. And I think that's what's so powerful about that platform. But like you were saying, I think a lot of people get... Very hung up on Instagram. I would say sometimes I do, even with our business. I'm like, I'm always Instagram first, other things later. And Abby would probably argue with me a little bit on that. (laughs) But I think the struggle is once you're in a platform like that and you feel comfortable with it, and it's kind of your favorite platform or the only platform that you are marketing on or talking on, then you're losing the opportunity to really repurpose that content and other places where you might attract other clients or a different audience. So one of our goals currently is to start showing up on TikTok more. And obviously we're not TikTok experts. We hope to be someday, but we really need to you know, show up on that platform. And sh- showing up on that platform is much different than how you show up on Instagram. So I think just changing your mindset, but always making sure to repurpose your content on these different channels is super important for just marketing your business at these different touch points, not just focusing solely on Instagram.
1: Yeah. So like you said, even if someone's like fully dedicated to email marketing, they probably have slews of email newsletters that are all archived, like all of that stuff you can access in the past. Go through each one of those newsletters one by one and create an Instagram post for it. And you don't need to use it in a way that shows your face. Like there are so many ways to succeed on Instagram without showing your face. Carousel posts tend to perform way better than static posts. So can you take one of your newsletters and make it into a tip carousel post? Can you make that tip carousel post a video in Canva? Because that's something that you can also do that then can translate to a reel on Instagram. Or we had just talked about this recently too, how all the different ways you cannot show your face on Instagram reels. And one of the ways being, you can get like a fun motion video graphic on Canva and overlay a quote. And post that as your reel. Or maybe you're showing small little half-second clips of your day of what you're doing throughout the day, but you're not showing your face. It's just like, what you ate for breakfast, your coffee, where you're working. Uh, Did you take a podcast walk? Did you go do something with your dog? Like show little behind-the-scenes clips of what's happening through the day, add it to some fun audio, and post that as a reel. Because it's really Instagram is a space for connection. And people want to know you. Beyond just your business, but it doesn't mean you have to show your face. Like you can show people who you are and your personality through your caption and through just sharing behind the scenes content. I still would encourage it's uncomfortable to show your face, but just like everything is uncomfortable, it's also, you'll get more comfortable the more often you do it. It's the same thing as everything else. You just have to practice. So if it is a goal of yours, then you just need to set yourself a goal and just say, I'm going to show my face on Instagram once a week, set a low goal, like just start with once a week. And it can be show up anywhere. It can be, I'm just going to show my face on stories for a second. Like that disappears in 24 hours. We're good to go. And then maybe one day you'll be feeling a little bit more confident and you'll try something like a reel. I think the power of just setting those goals and showing up consistently, you'll see an impact in that space. And that is kind of the magic, like Courtney was saying, the magic of where you start making connections with people and connections is what leads to sales, what leads to partnerships. It kind of leads to everything else that helps your business grow. And I
2: would say to uh, Abigail and I, when Reels first came out, we were like, this is awful. We do not want to do this. We're going to try to boycott this as much as we can. And then we're like, shoot, we kind of have to do this because the algorithm is basically forcing us to do it. So we started having reels days. So we would batch all of our content, we would get together, we would film all these reels, and then we'd be done with it for the month. And then when we set that goal of like, we're going to post two or three reels a week, we've got them already set to go. So that makes it so much easier too than like waking up on a Monday and saying, okay, I'm going to record one reel today and post it. If you batch that content, it makes it so much easier because you've got all of it done, all the pressure's off, and now you just have to post. I would also say to people who are very against reels or showing their face, you do not have to, we've worked with clients in the past and they're like, I don't dance or (laughs) I don't sing. And you just laugh and you're like, you don't have to dance or sing. We can find reels where it's just you talking or where it's a video and it's your voice overlay or something like that. So I think a lot of people are just in this mindset where they're like, you see all these reels and people are doing these like crazy dances or crazy songs. And people are like, I am not that person. I do not do that. And that's okay. You do not have to be that person just because you see it out there a billion times doesn't mean that you have to recreate it. And actually Instagram is just, you know the algorithm is switching to prioritize people that have more original content. So being more original versus constantly doing all these trends is something that they're going to start recognizing more. So it's okay not to jump on these crazy trends. I mean, they're fun and they're not bad to jump on every once in a while. But if you're seeing those dancing and those singing ones, you do not have to do those. We just want to let people know that because I think they think that they have to do those in order to to succeed. And that's not the case.
0: I love that. Yeah, so many people I talk to or in my membership are like, oh yeah, I'm never going to dance on reels. And I'm like, I can totally relate. I actually created a GIF of me dancing. And I'm like, I put the caption, like, this is why I don't dance on reels. <laughs> I have no rhythm whatsoever. <laughs> and I'm using that in my emails sometimes as a fun, like this is totally on brand with me. So there's ways to make it fun and authentic that aren't totally dancing. And even the ones where people like have the trending audio and they're doing the voice oh, like to match the audio. I'm like, how did, how are people so good at that? Like I can't do that. <laughs> it takes practice. It's hard. And sometimes, like
2: I would say Abby's really good at nailing it like more times than I am. I feel like we always have to re-record mine because my voice is off by like a half a second or two seconds, or oh my gosh, it's hard, though. It's really hard to like line those up and get it right sometimes. But,
1: there is a little trick too. There on the left-hand side, there's a little one times. If you click that and then you click two times, it slows down the audio like sl- super slow. Like you're talking just mo- like just very, very slow drawn out words, but then it speeds it up when it does the video. So then if you have like a really fast audio and you need to slow it down, you can use that trick to help record it so that you match up.
2: It feels a little weird recording slow like that, but it helps because sometimes we just can't talk that fast and line it up with the video. So that trick is really
0: nice. Oh, that's an awesome trick. So I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about how people can work with you. I believe you have an SEO group coaching program. So I'd love you to share more about that or any other ways that anyone listening can work with you.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So you can find out all about us on our website. So duocollective.com. We are also very active on Instagram and we love to send a voice message all the time. So if you are very much an audio person, we are... Fans of that saves times using our thumbs and messaging everyone, but duo.collective is where we are on Instagram. And then, yeah, we do have a group coaching program right now. Our program is live with six lovely people inside. It is focused on copywriters and web designers to help you learn the SEO strategies that we apply to all of our clients and then use them within your own client processes so that every website you optimize from a copy and a web design perspective is optimized for SEO because we've seen the heartbreak of a lot of our clients coming to us after they've done a rebrand or after they've gotten their copy refreshed or their web design redone. And it just failed in Google and they've lost tons of rankings essentially. So we went straight to the source and we were like, all right, rather than fixing all these websites, let's just teach more people how to infuse these strategies into their business. We launched that a couple times a year and we're in the middle of one right now. So if we do another one, it will be coming in the fall. Then yeah, we do a lot of done for you services. So we love to teach people organic strategies build the strategy plan so that you feel really great about it, but then deliver you all the tools you need to be successful. We're kind of the, we call ourselves an agency, but we're kind of like a non-agency agency because we don't ever have retained clients. We love to continue to build strategy plans or content plans for people, but we very much want to give you the tools to succeed. And that's a mix of coaching and done for you services, I would say.
0: And I know you have a quiz that I think anyone listening who is really prioritizing Instagram is going to want to take. So I'd love for you to share a little bit more about that quiz too. Absolutely. Yeah. We have a how strong
1: is your gram quiz mixed with a little bit of coffee because coffee is kind of our passion over here. So definitely take that. It'll guide you through the process of what is going on on your Instagram feed. And then we have some really awesome freebies and free resources, depending on where you were landed into to help you improve in that area of Instagram. So that quiz is really fun to take. And also there's some goodies at the end. So Yeah.
2: And that's just on our website, on a scrolling banner on the top. If you go to our website, you just click up there and you'll be
0: redirected to the quiz. Perfect. And we will have your links to your podcast, which is Duo On Air Marketing Podcast, your website and your Instagram. So anyone listening, if you want to connect with Courtney and Abby, you can Connect with them through the links in the show notes. But thank you guys so much for being here. This was awesome. I could talk about organic marketing all day long. (laughs) Us too. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. This episode may have ended, but there are ways we can stay in touch until next time. You can join me at thetarareed.com, where you can find tons of blog posts and resources that will also help you grow your business. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at introvertcoach where I share more introvert-friendly and service-based business tips with you. If you love what you're hearing, drop a five-star rating and review telling me what you are loving about the podcast so that I can continue to encourage as many introverted entrepreneurs as possible. Until next time, Keep using your introvert superpowers.